Hi and welcome to Arrow Power. This week we're at the Arrow Technology Summit. This is Arrow's annual partner forum held in Denver. Over the next few weeks we're going to be presenting you all the power debate sessions that occurred at ATS. You're going to hear from our practice leaders talking about security, IoT, data intelligence, cloud and next generation platforms. We hope you enjoy this Arrow Bowers production and please subscribe. Of me so we can break them up if I have to, if it gets combative, but it shouldn't too much. So thanks everybody. My name is David Potter. I head up the global practices team for Howard Goldberg. We can sit if you guys want to. So I like coming off the market intelligence because Lloyd and Rachel talked about two things that are I'm heavily involved in with IoT and security, obviously. Security being near and dear to my heart. The thing we're talking about here is you know equipping customers for the when. When it happens, right? And I know nothing ever bad will happen because your networks are perfect and your customers never do anything wrong and nothing ever bad happens. But proverbially, when something happens, when they're breached, when they're owned, whatever that might be, how do we respond to that or how do we prepare customers for those things? Um, I think we've talked to a lot of customers, I know I have, that they've sold a lot of things, they put a lot of point solutions in, and they're, trying, they're, they're starting to stitch them together in a pretty solid way. But as we move forward, I think the, the one that interests me is the plethora of IoT devices that are out there that are completely unmanaged, completely unknown. We don't really know what normal looks like for those things. How do we plan for these things that we may not have complete visibility into it, and how do we get our customers ready for those things? So have you guys introduce yourselves and then let you take a, a crack at it if you want to. Richard? Sure. So hi, my name is Richard Ford. I'm the chief scientist over at Forcepoint. Um, fun job, we should talk about that over a uh, cocktail tonight. Um, and in, in that role, I'm sitting across the whole business, sort of worrying about some of these questions. So how do our customers plan for it? Uh, badly, probably. Um, and I say that with no disrespect to our customers, right? So one of the things that we do, and it starts with people, is you tabletop what happens when you're breached. The number of customers that, that we have that have never sat down and done the what-if scenario, so, you know, you end up having a, a CEO trying to find the right words around what should we tell the press, you know, in real time. And we see people do things that can potentially make things worse. Uh, GDPR, e-privacy, all these bits of legislation have certain requirements around making things go faster around breach notification too. So, you know, let me come at this from a non-technology standpoint. I'd say the, the first thing is have a plan. Right, and then test the plan. Because you know, it's one thing to have a plan, and then it's another thing to turn the engine over and discover that you know, one part hits another and nothing quite works right. So if I was working with anyone, the first thing isn't technology. I start with the people. It's all about the people. Have a plan, and then test the plan, and then completely rewrite the plan because you discover your first round didn't work. I agree with that. So hi everyone, my name is uh, Todd Moore. I'm a senior vice president responsible for our encryption business, uh, data protection business at Jamalto. Um, when I talk to customers about the win, and we know it's gonna happen, it goes along with the people. There's really three things, and we've all been around the business for a while, security business. It all comes down to three things. It's people, devices, and the data itself. It's always about the data. And we heard that at the previous panel as well too, data everywhere. And so when it comes to the people for us, it's making sure that you know who's on your networks, why they're there, what they're doing, 
and making sure that they have you know, very simple access to what they should have access to. And so it's really understanding that, not just from planning, but knowing who has access to what. For the devices, and this goes to IoT, it's really understanding what is on your network. That could be a computer, it could be a tablet, a cell phone, a mobile phone, or it could be an IoT, a device. And it's really making sure the integrity of that device is sound, that we know what's there and why it's there for the same reasons as the people. And last but not least, it's the data. And that's the most important thing that people forget about, that in every organization, there's something important to that organization, and to make sure that they're protecting it properly, no matter where that's stored, whether it's in the cloud, or it's on-premise in a database. And so when we talk about the win, it is about the planning, but it's those three aspects, I think, that we really focus on people, data, and devices. So with that, so going along with all these things that are coming out and the solutions orientation is really great because that is a big part of my title, right? And my, and my role is to do those solutions. There's this whole premise of, you know, go faster, deploy, you know, don't interrupt the speed of business. The thought process is, though is, is there a point when you need to stop that, when you actually do need to stop business before you know, these giant outbreaks happen, before the, the breach notification happens, or is there a different when you know, to, to address those things, right? I mean, I, we, we talk about you know, not interrupting workflows and things like that. You know, are there different approaches to that, or how do you guys take a look at you know, when those things happen? How do you stop, how do you remediate, or how do you alert for it, or, or you know, what would you look for in that sort of organization? Yeah, so I think it comes down to risk appetite, right, for the when, because every organization's different. There are some things, if you're in healthcare, for example, you can't shut down mm -hmm. under certain circumstances, right? right? You know, you have a service that has to be provided. Um, so it comes down to risk appetite and then deciding, you know, because what are we really in? We're not really in the security business. We're in the risk management business, right? Mm -hmm. what, what we're there to do is to make certain that people are safe, and the business continues. We enable the business. And doing business is risk, right? If I want to get rid of all the risk in my business, I can shut the doors today, right? So it's the same with cyber. So when you're dealing with that when, it's about the risk management. Mm -hmm. How do you manage it? And, and that's, that's, again, it comes back to the, the planning perspective. And, and you know, back to your point on the planning, one of the interesting things is, yeah, the first time you run the plan, you discover that you've forgotten about all the unmanaged devices that are kicking around your network. And you're like, well, but I don't know what these IP addresses are. <laughs> They're granted you know, through DHCP, and it's some sort of BYOD device. And so, yeah, that's the nice thing about tabletopping it, actually not just talking about the plan, but doing the mock exercise. Mm -hmm. It's uh, fun to watch people sweat, actually. It really is. Um, you know, as they go, oh, it's not gonna work. So, but no, so I, I do all this through the lens of risk. Mm -hmm. We are absolutely not in the risk removal business. We're in the risk management business. Every single thing has a different risk appetite, right? So if you have a production line with a bunch of OT, mm -hmm. you know, on it, your risk appetite is very different potentially than if you're dealing with, um, if you're a pure data play, where you have to worry about the damage caused by loss of data versus the damage caused by heavy industrial equipment doing something they shouldn't do. Gotcha. So, so I always think risk. That's where, mm -hmm. where I always go in this. I think that's a good approach. No, and absolutely agree, Richard, that risk isn't, I mean, we're agreeing, it's <laughs> a key point. Um, but uh, you know, in terms of business continuity, I mean, it isn't an option, at least uh, for the companies uh, Jamalto is working with. We're working with large enterprises, governments, finance, healthcare organizations, as as Richard just mentioned. And, and there's there's no there's no we can't afford the downtime. So every organization has to tolerate some level of risk. They have to put the processes in place. If you could, you know, define a perfect breach, a perfect win, you know, it would be that you know the board of directors stand up and say, yes, we had a, we had a breach. 
it was contained, it was remediated very quickly, and oh, by the way, this is the amount of private or personal data that was lost, and it was very minimized. And I think that comes back to the risk tolerance. Again, knowing the basics, um, going back to the foundation, it all comes down to those things we heard about years ago, um, CIAA, confidentiality, integrity, audibility, and availability, just putting the right security practices in place, defining the policies and that risk, and making sure when that bad thing does happen, you've minimized what could be the impact to your business, to a particular business. Yeah, I find it amusing that we're sitting here, right? And, and what we're saying is the basics really, really matter in security, right? The three of us in, in violent agreement on that one. But they're not as shiny as some of the new things coming down the, down the pike. Mm -hmm. But if you get your basics right, and good things tend to sort of keep happening. And so that's, there's a couple things there. So you mentioned the perfect breach, you stand up and announce, which usually means that somebody's fired as a result of that. That's one of the, the knock-on effects. So to that, I mean, I think probably 2015, 2016, you know, definitely like the year of the breach, right? We heard about so many big ones, right? And you will still see them here and there, but I don't, they're not, they don't seem to be as prevalent as they were. You know, I mean, it, there's not as much notification. My question is, do you think that people aren't saying as much about it or that they're not being as publicized? Or are we actually doing things better? Um, it's a good question. I mean, with, with some of the emerging standards like GDPR, um, General Data Protection Regulation in the European Union, as well as Australian privacy laws, I mean, the rest of the world is finally coming up to the U.S. when it comes to notification of breaches. So you would think that we're going to see more notification of breaches around the world. I think that uh, enterprises have caught on and are putting some of the, the risk management tools in place to help prevent, but I, I do think the breaches are occurring and they will continue to occur. I don't think we've stopped them. I guess if we look at different market, um, a lot of uh, us as vendors are working with large enterprises, and so we're really focusing on those, those big companies and governments and making sure that they're secure, they're minimizing their risk. The people that are losing out is the small, medium business, the small, medium enterprises. I don't think, you know, let's be honest, security is difficult, and part of our job is to make it simpler. And I, I think, in, I don't know about Richard in your business, but in our business, we're working hard to simplify security so that we kind of make it easier for folks to be able to consume and to deploy security in those small, medium enterprises. So they're going to get breached even more and even faster, so how we can help them. And it was said earlier, I think, by Lloyd um, in the session about uh, all of us are moving to services. That's something we're doing as well to make that simplification happen. So. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I would agree, yeah. It's about making security more accessible to the point that I don't even try and talk to my customers about security anymore. I try and use a different S word, which is safety, right? Because when you think about security, security is something you opt into. I'm going to choose to be secure, right? So when you design for security, you give somebody a path through the maze. When you design for safety, you make it really hard to get out of the maze and fall onto something pointy, right? So it's a different, it's a different mindset. Um, so yeah, the, we need to make security the default in the same way that GDPR tries to push us to make privacy the default. Um, to the point where I hope in five years' time we're having this conversation around, around safety more than around security, I think that's important. On the breaches, I think I would actually argue that the pace hasn't slowed down that much. I was doing some prep, mm -hmm. um, which would shock the people that know me well. So you know <laughs> how seriously I was taking this now. I was doing some prep work for this, and I was looking at 2018. It's actually been a pretty tough year. I mean, you know, and I th we've become numb to it, right? I, I think, think I right. think I think we've become very desensitized. Look at the data that was potentially spilled by I think it was Exactus. Mm -hmm. Was that two terabytes of very detailed? marketing-related data around folks, right? That's a lot. It's about 340 million mm -hmm. uh, people or so. So I don't know if I'd call that slowing down. So I think that's, that's probably a, a very fair point. And so I think you're right, we're inured to it. It's like, eh, another breach, eh, whatever. 
And so uh, you know, with all this cloud, you know, clouds, whatever, you know, new workloads in the cloud or whatever, there, and all this data and, and all of our personal data, IoT sensors on pretty much everything. I mean, most of you are wearing one or you're carrying three or four of them. Your Apple iPhone is one. So when that data is not really in our control anymore, and from an enterprise standpoint, it's not in our control anymore. So this is a twofold question. You can answer it either way you want or both. What are we doing well and what do we suck at? And what are some simple steps that we should be taking? So it's a three-part question, right? And you know, so there, I mean, there's there's technology approaches. There's I think I like the idea of safety. The training's an aspect of, it, but there is a part where certain technologies do come to bear. So I think like and security's hard. So what are some ways that you guys look at it and, and some of your approaches? Don't everybody jump on at once? You know, look at each other. Okay. They're like, so <laughs> so what are we doing well? Well, the good news is that I think in the boardroom, there's a much better mindshare around security, right? So when I talk to boards of, boards of directors, I have really quite well-informed conversations now around security. So that's a huge gold star to the security community, right? Um, I think that, you know, we're starting to get our arms around identity a little bit more. Um, Google put out some very interesting information uh, earlier this year when they talked about the fact that they're claiming, and I have no reason to disbelieve them, that since they switched to multi-factor authentication, they have had zero hostile account takeovers through, through uh, credential compromise, right? Which is pretty stellar. That's a great result. That's an example of, of us starting to do something well. Um, so that will be the short part of my answer, because you asked me, what are we doing less well? Right. Um, and unfortunately, it's a lot. Uh, and again, that's not pointing the finger and blaming, right? right. Because I get it. Business, I'm not, unless you're a security company, you're not in the business of doing security. Security is an enabler so you can do whatever your business is. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a lot of the basics that aren't done, right? The fact that, that I still use a username and password to log into stuff just blows my mind. There's a thousand different ways to authenticate that are, that are, that are better than that. Right, that are more mm -hmm. secure. And this, the nasty statistics behind that is what is about between, it depends on which survey you read, but people are claiming between 80 and 90% at some point of, of breaches can be traced back to compromised credentials. Now think about that for a minute, right? Yeah. So, so there's a whole bunch of stuff in the basics that, that don't get done. Um, we're doing a horrible job at getting a trained workforce, right? So. There, there's been a, a national crisis around um, trained workforce in cybersecurity for a long time, especially in the cleared side of the house. Cleared cybersecurity people, right, mm -hmm. are rare as hen's teeth. Mm -hmm. I mean, I literally have had recruiters call me and go, ah, Richard, whatever we're paying, whatever you're getting paid, we'll double it. I'm like, but I, we haven't, you know, who, what, why, what, who? I can't, I can't hang on to people by uh, paying them in cashy money, mm -hmm. right? It's about... It's about all the other things that go with the job. Do they have an arc? Do they have a future? You know, so retention, training, that's a train wreck. Mm -hmm. I'm trying not to take every sort of piece of high ground here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so, so the question was, what are we doing? You let him go first. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, fault, you know. So what are we doing doing well? What are we doing badly? I mean, there, there are a few other things, right? Right. But, but those, to me, I'm trying to pick some different sure. ones. And that was the third part question. What was the so, third part? You know, from an adoption standpoint, so those things that we are good at and maybe not so good at, what are some quick wins that companies could do to, to start mitigating? So before that, I'm gonna, ask, I'm gonna ask you a survey question. This is, this is the interactive part of the show. So show of hands, how many of you have a Google account? This is, I'm, I'm serious, show of hands. This is the interactive part. You're, keep your hands up. How many, now lower your, keep your hand up if you have two-factor authentication on your Google account. 
and you're in the industry. <laughs> so two things, come talk to me about that because we can fix that. But I mean, so I think that illustrates your point. Within our own industry, it's an ongoing problem. Why? Because it's hard. So, you know, so what are some of the, the, the easier steps to mitigate some of that? Yeah, so, so being, t changing your mindset about reducing, so a lot of the times, us security guys, we love to say, no, this is broken, don't do it, it's insecure, please leave my desk, <laughs> right? Um, right, yeah, exactly, you've had that conversation. Yeah. Um, and we need to re-spin it a little bit to go, what can I do to make my users' lives simpler? Right, that simple switch of getting rid of security friction and turning security into more of a business enabler mm. is a big one. Right, so that, that, that's a change that, that I've been trying to drive throughout our organization is, and, and our product design, mm. right, because I'm heavily involved in, in next-gen product design for the company, is how do I make this product simpler to use, more transparent, less likely to cause you harm, and more likely to sort of prompt you to do the right thing when you have to make a decision as a human being. You know, I feel like for the longest time in security, right, it's like the security vendors have been making these six-fingered gloves for people and going, come on, man, grow another finger. You know, you can grow into it. Instead of going, oh, humans have five fingers. Let's design something that really fits the user. So we've got to be much more user-centric. That's something that we as an industry can do. Mm -hmm. Some of the easy wins from a tech standpoint, figure out your identity, IAM, two-factor, however you want to do it. Be consistent. And then the other tech that I see woefully underused is DLP. Right, data loss prevention, data loss mm -hmm. protection, depends right. you know, where you grew up, right? right. Um, and I think that so many companies use that just for compliance, and it can do so much more mm -hmm. uh, for you, and it's a pity that it's not more widely adopted. And you guys are kind of good at that. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, we are kind of <laughs> good at that. That is, I have dreams about data now. It's sort of all very distressing. But yeah, I mean, even if it's not ours, just do, do something, something smart yeah. with DLP, and the world will be a better place. Gotcha. Thoughts? Wow, he took all my, my thunder. <laughs> now let me think of some you answer. Let him go first. <laughs> I you let him go. It's my fault. Uh, a couple, I, I agree with a lot of the points you just made, Richard. And I'll just add maybe a couple other things. So what we're doing well, uh, we're, we're really focusing on who's using our security technology in the stack. So what do I mean by that? Originally when we had all the breaches first occur, the win, uh, CEOs, boards would just throw money at the problem. It was like throwing spaghetti on the wall. There was a ton of money. We all know that as an industry, that there was just a lot of money. There were people buying solutions that didn't make any sense. I think now you're going to see, and we are trying as vendors, to be able to bring solutions and platforms that really address the user need, the problem. And we're really addressing a different buyer now. We're, buying, we're addressing the application developers. We're, we're looking at different people within an IT department that really need those solutions. So we've gotten a little bit better about that over time. And that's helped us uncover more opportunity, and it's actually getting more value back to our customers. I think that's going to help all of us sell more going forward. Um, on, the, on the negative side, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I, I don't know what metric you gave, um, but we've seen in our research about two-thirds of all breaches. And it really goes into two categories when a breach occurs. The first category is someone getting some credentials and escalating them or using those credentials to get to admin and be able to get access to database and critical data. The other third of breaches fall into data protection where once someone gets access to a database or to a file or a storage, they find that the data is not encrypted and it's not mm -hmm. protected. They just pull it out and, and it's made, we make it easy for them to do that. So I think that's something that we haven't done well, is really educating people about that need. You know, quite simply, not using passwords, using multi-factor authentication for every small, medium business, every enterprise is one simple solution to that. Um, I mean, when I talk to customers, they'll tell me, uh, I ask them, how is their data protection strategy? They'll say, oh, we're protected. We protect in storage. 
And I'm like, that's great, so the storage array has an encryption key, yes. Do you realize when that disk is spinning, your data is not protected? It only protects against one problem, that that disk gets stolen and someone doesn't have the encryption key to decrypt. So I still think there is some training, some knowledge out there. There's some misunderstanding that when you say you've implemented data protection or you've done something to protect the data, they don't necessarily understand, our customers don't necessarily understand what does that mean. And I think by getting the different people in the stack, going back to the first point, we'll get more education, we'll get more understanding, and we'll pick the right security solutions for them, which makes us smarter as vendors and makes our customers smarter and more happy. So these aren't these aren't new problems, though. No. That's the thing. So no. it goes by. So, yeah. So why aren't we? And I'm, I'm, I guess I'm kind of calling some of us out, myself included, right? I, we, I ran organizations that we had some of the same issues, right? Why aren't we doing these things already? Then is the question. And is it is it because there? I mean, I think some of it is the skills gap that we talked about, mm -hmm. and some of it is, is you know, hey, we're going to go back and, and encrypt your entire array. Well, how long is that going to take? You know, so is it is it a services issue, or you know, or is it priority? Or I mean, what are you guys seeing, and, and where the cool. adoption falls off? Because we we these are candidly none of this stuff we're saying is that new, right? I mean, well, I think again it comes back to that point. I'll go first this time. Sorry. <laughs> I think it goes back to that point <laughs> of, of make, we made security hard. We did that. Mm -hmm. We have to make it simpler. Automation, orchestration. We've got to wrap. You know, make it point-click deploy is a buzzword, but it, making it so easy for folks. We gotta be able to tie it into the business processes like we talked about before. It, it comes down, it does come back to the identity. It comes back to the, the data itself, who you are, what you have access to, when that data gets created, classifying it, it's critical, and protecting it in the right way. And our industry also has to get better at doing the reverse. Once we understand where the critical data is, you know, there's different machine learning, artificial intelligence, other active methods to make sure that as that data gets accessed, is it really critical or is the data adjacent to it really critical? And making sure we're making those right rule sets and updating and make sure we really are protecting what is critical to the organizations. So there are old problems. I would argue that companies like ours are working to get to the automation orchestration. There is a lot of consolidation in our space right now where many of us are buying techno bricks to be able to do that whole full platform type implementation, data life implementation. And I think you're gonna see more of that as we go forward. So I, I think it's being addressed. Yeah. It's just not here yet today right. and we're still, gotcha. still trying to get there. So I'll go in a different direction. Um, I think that part of the challenge is that we traditionally within our companies market securities attacks. It's like something you have to buy, you know, it's like paying your taxes, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody's wild about it. Um, it's not a bonus. You don't go, oh man, I'm spending all this money for this thing. We need to flip it to more of an enabler. It's not about stopping unpleasant things from happening. It's about enabling the business to enter new markets mm -hmm. or to enter markets safely. And I think that that sort of, you know, flipping the image from white to black or black to white can, can help a lot. In terms of how old of a problem it is, just, just to digress for a funny, funny story, ransomware, pretty new problem, right? Mm -hmm. Not so new. Um, first, any, anyone out there in audience land remember the first really big ransomware attack? Anyone at all? Because I got some funny stories around this one that I can't share on the stage. It was, either of you gents want to have a lash at it, it's, er, it's early. It's, I think it was like 98, 99. Uh, keep, keep going. Okay. Um, so this predates, this predates the internet. 1989, uh, the person that was charged with it was Dr. Joseph Pop. Um, it was the AIDS Trojan diskette, which that's were five and a quarter inch discs. That's right. Right, the, sent by the PC Cyborg Corporation. I say allegedly, Joseph, right. because um, while he was extradited from the US to the UK, um, he was sent back. The trial was never, was never completed. 
as he was found uh, un unfit, I believe, at the time to stand trial. But that was 1989, mm -hmm. right? That's right? I mean, I that. these are really old problems, right? That are dressed up in new technology, so they look different. You know, when I talk about not Petra or WannaCry, I'm really talking about the AIDS Trojan diskette from 1989. Yeah. And, and part of that is that we value the progress of technology more than we necessarily value the safety or the underpinnings, right? So given the choice of going faster or going safer, we typically choose going faster because that's what you need to be competitive in the market. So again, no fault to go around on that one. I would do the same thing. Mm -hmm. I have been doing the same thing. But, but certainly I look, I look at myself in the mirror as I get towards the sort of far end of my career and go, heck, I've been doing this since 1989 and I'm still dealing with the same bits same. of malware. You know, it, it kind of hurts. Um, do I feel like I failed some of you in this room? I'm gonna go, I'm gonna be transparent and say yes. Um, but it, it, it's about changing that sort of context. We got caught up in this very threat-centric mm -hmm. view of the world for a long time too about, oh, you just stop the bad stuff at the edges of the network and it will all be okay. And I think we both agree it's a, it's a losing battle, right? Well, because it was it. It was the way to sell stuff, right? It was scary and bad, and oh my goodness, you're going to get owned and hacked, and all your stuff's going to get stolen. Hell, it was a good selling technique, you know. It, it worked, but yeah. So, kind of on that. So, I mean, what if you could change something about the industry? You know, this is the kind of that whole like, you know, it, you know, where are you going to be in 20 years in your career? Um, I think it's a beach with a Ferrari, but you know, if you could change one thing about the industry, regardless, you know, beyond the education. I mean, is it education? Is it more frictionless security. I mean, if you could change anything about the industry, what would it be? You look like you look pensive there. Yeah. I'll, I'll, all right, I'll. Uh, this is my think about <laughs> I know, okay. I think if it would change anything about the industry, it would be the reaction, reactional nature of our business. Yes. Um, I, I think that uh, you know, if something pops up, it could be a, a breach of some court of some sort, and then there's a billion startups tomorrow with a technology that fixes that plugs that hole. I think everything we've been talking about here, it's getting back to basics, getting back to foundation. I, if you want to pick what you just said, I would say frictionless security. I would love to see in the next 20 years where people don't think about, our users don't think about security. They don't want to. We already talked about that. They want to build in. They just want it to happen. No one wakes up in the morning wanting to buy a hardware security module that Jamalto has, you know, as a root of trust. They want to be able to know that things are being protected. We're doing it at the right risk levels. The business is safe and the guys can sleep at night. The CEOs can sleep at night knowing the the business is safe. So I, I think we're all working to that, to automate, orchestrate, putting the security at the front of the data creation and making sure we're protecting it throughout its whole life cycle. That would be my nirvana and get away from the react, be more proactive, I guess I'm trying to say, than reactive as we are today. Yeah, I think I think that's a huge one. And, and by the way, Todd, I'm kind of interested in that hardware security module. I, I do wake up in the morning and go, oh man, hardware well, thank security. Thank you for that. I'm not, not, pretty I'm not, excited not, about that. Does anyone else in the room wake up in the morning <laughs> thinking about hardware security modules? Does anybody else care? I've got a couple of hands, thank you, thank you. <laughs> He'll buy you a beer if you say so, so I mean, you can lie to him. <laughs> so, you know, I guess what I would like to, to change, and, and let me be uh, provocative, Absolutely. is I'd like to move from being, um, having a heavy element of snake oil in the industry to being science-based, right? Because this is too jolly important to be based on you know, kills 99.99% of all known germs, oh, and some viruses and malware as well, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's science. We can measure this stuff. We've been able to measure it for ages. It's not my opinion where my products are better and where they're worse, right? It's science. You can, there's very, there's, 
it, it's very deterministic. And yet, we don't see that at all. We literally have vendors who go, well, we don't really have any data on how well this works, but try it, you'll like it, right? That's not, a customer's data is way too important to, to just sort of stick your finger in the air and go, which side feels cold, you right. know? That <clears throat> I want to see security mature past who can do it quickest, who can do it shiniest, to what is the real protection provided, you know, against particular threats. That'll get us away from some of this sort of silver bullet syndrome. For a start, everybody knows we don't need a silver bullet, we need a magic bullet, because silver bullets only work on werewolves, right? And you need something better in the security mm -hmm. world. Um, you know, I think that it's moving towards fact-based, evidence-based decisions. For example, in encryption, right? That's an area that is much more mature. You can, encryption's out there, you can test the algorithms, the algorithms are typically open, so, you know, they're peer-reviewed, it's very strong. We know mathematically how difficult it is to break skipjack over triple, uh, triple dares over, you know, pick your favorite poison. Mm -hmm. We need to evolve security so it's much more fact-based and much less who's got the best marketing department based. I would agree with that. Thank you for listening to Arabama. Really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please subscribe and please check out our other fantastic podcasts in the Bandwidth Network. See you again next week.